The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. We are currently in June, but have you ever noticed how March is frequently a month of fear and death? The Ides of March. March 15 will live in infamy beyond the murder of Julius Caesar in 44 BC. In March 15, 2003, a new global health crisis scare occurred, and in 2020, the coronavirus. It almost seems like a spring ritual every year. How long before we see actual human sacrifice on television? I believe we already have. Whether you believe the latest event or not, most of the population does. Tonight's guest says, quote, I think any reasonable, rational person will agree that what's going on out there really has nothing to do with the police killing of George Floyd anymore, and that the alleged COVID lockdowns are not only fueling the unrest, but are directly connected to it. There's a lot of theorizing this is all a major psychological warfare operation to oust President Trump and populism in general, which may be true, at least in part, but it's all taking place during what is now called, quote-unquote, the Great Reset, by Prince Charles, no less, and a major effort to disengage from China, if not the dawn of a new Cold War. Now, throughout human history, these kinds of major paradigm shifts always drag high ritual in their wake, if you know where to look for it. And one last thing, did you know that Antifa anarchists have taken control of Seattle and have declared Capitol Hill an autonomous zone, like France, and their no-go zones. In August 2014, the French magazine Contemporary Values suggested that France had more than 750 areas of quote-unquote lawlessness, also known as no-go zones. Is this the first chapter of the Second American Civil War? You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas. And to help us make sense of things, tonight's special guest is Christopher Loring Knowles. Chris has over 30 years of experience in the production and marketing of pop culture and has worked on some of the biggest properties in the world. He's the author of many books and writes and reviews for a number of international magazines. I have a more extensive bio on our website, but he is a Veritas veteran. By the way, he has recently written a new, written a new book titled He Will Live Up in the Sky, available at Amazon. His website is secretsun.blogspot.com, which is also linked on our website. And directly from Baskin Ridge, New Jersey, 
My special guest today is Christopher Knowles. Hello, Chris, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Mel. It's great to be back. Great to have you back. And Chris, it's been a few years, I think um, uh, two years since the last time we spoke. What is your perception of this crazy 2020 so far? Let's just begin with that foundation. I, I think what we're seeing has just been a long time in the planning stages. Um, I think what, you know, there are a number of issues going on at the same time. A lot of them have to do with the international economic situation, with debt and debt capital, uh, deflation, uh, the challenge that the um, People's Revolutionary Army, and in this case, the Navy is posing to the, to the United States Navy, and they definitely want them out of uh, that area. They want them out of the South China Sea. Uh, they're building a number of um, bases uh, they, they're basically out of whole cloth. They're just taking sandbars and, and creating bases on them and, and calling them part of China. So it's a very interesting and complex situation. Uh, I, I think that so much of what we're seeing, to be you know, frank with you, is, is theater. I think it always is. Uh, I think that a lot of what we're seeing is for our benefit more than uh, a reflection of reality. And as I've done for so many years, you just need to look at the, uh, the footsteps of ritual and the ritual signatures. And that, those are, are rather telling as to uh, the, the greater truths that are sort of roiling beneath the surface. Isn't it interesting that it, I believe it was March 11th or the 15th when a, an emergency state was declared in the United States? And it usually happens that around that time between March 11th through the 15th, the heights of March. This is doesn't seem to be an exception this year, don't you think? <laughs> well, you know, we're, 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 there's a quote that Philip K. Dick, the uh, science fiction author, sort of popularized, he coined and popularized, and that is the, the empire never ended. And so much of the American empire is informed by the ritualism and the symbolism of Rome. You know, you need no, look no further than Washington, D.C. and the architecture and the artwork and just the way it very much is modeled consciously after Rome. And uh, Donald Trump himself is, if you have seen his apartment, his penthouse in, in New York City, um, he's very fixated on Roman symbolism, very fixated on... Roman art and architecture, uh, it's something that he, he, he's definitely drawn to, and I think it informs uh, the way he governs in a lot of ways. And it's just the rituals and the rites and the holidays of ancient Rome, you know, they, they, they didn't just appear out of nowhere. They, they, in many cases, were absorbed from other cultures or their holdovers from the Etruscans and earlier uh, civilizations in the Italian peninsula. So what we're really seeing here is, is an, uh, an accretion of a number of different rituals, a number of different uh, gods and religions that all sort of were handed down to us, were handed down to us through the British Empire as, as the midwife. And of course, uh, Britain and London were, were very important Roman colonies, um, and I think a lot of people will be aware of that, and were very heavily Romanized. So it's just very much this imperialist uh, Roman mentality is, is very much in our blood, and in the uh, 
the lifeblood of, of the culture and the politics. So March was obviously very important to them. At one point in time, March was actually the first month in the calendar. March is named for the Roman god of war. And of course, uh, you'll, you, you're probably familiar with the um, the expression, the, the business of America is not business, it's war. Yep. You know, we're very warlike people. Um, we have the, the, the most largest and the most elaborate uh, military presence in the world uh, that humanity has ever witnessed. Um, we spend more on our military than all the other countries put together. And I think so much of what we're seeing, again, is, um, is very highly ritualized, but it's all working towards an end game of you know, what Prince Charles has called the Great Reset. And I think what the Great Reset has to do with is it has to do with um, a, a sort of a deflationary cycle that will bring uh, labor costs in the West in line with China and, and other countries in Asia. So I, I think we're in for a very rough ride for the next several years. I think it's going to be very painful for a lot of people. And I think at the end of this process, we're going to be um, living in a world and, a, and in a country that we would not have recognized uh, 10 or 15 years ago. Let's dissect a few things you said. I want to come back to the China and what you just said. It's really interesting. Let, let's call it the standardization of labor around the world to be parallel to the Chinas. But you mentioned the Roman Empire, but I'm thinking of the city-states, I'm thinking of the Vatican, I'm thinking of the city of London, I'm thinking of Washington, D.C., and they have a few things in common. One of them is the the uh, the phallic symbols that we see there, including, <laughs> and I'm reading in your, your blog, you're talking about the SpaceX rocket, the, the most recent one, what is the Dragon or... Uh, one of those that if you look at it, it looks like, a, as you said, it looks like a vibrator. If you look at the top of it, don't you think? Yeah, it, it looks it looks more phallic than a vibrator, actually. If you really start, <laughs> you know, you don't want to look at it too closely, but it's it's incredibly phallic. I've always thought that about uh, SpaceX's rockets. And then, of course, you know, the joke is that SpaceX is actually SpaceX. Uh, you know, the Falcon is uh, the name of that rocket, the Falcon 9. And that, of course brings us back to uh, the Council of Nine and, and Horus and all these uh, gods from ancient Egypt. And then the, the capsule, the, the space capsule itself, is the dragon. And, of course, the dragon we're familiar with from uh, Revelation 9. And Elon Musk is a, you know, a fascinating character. He's got a fascinating history, and uh, he's got a fascinating family now. So it's, it's all very interesting and very strange. And uh, it's just it's so drenched in symbolism that it, it boggles my mind. You know, for somebody like myself, I mean, I've been analyzing symbolism for since the 90s. Uh, I was doing, you know, started doing it publicly in 2006 and seven, but I've been doing this for a very long time. And so I'm familiar with a lot of the symbolisms that that they they draw on. And I'm just actually I'm always stunned by like how blatant it is and, and how uh, repetitive it is. And, and, and it's interesting, too, because we're seeing the numbers 17 and 33 popping up over and over again. <laughs> and, um, you know, 17 is a number that I called attention to back in 2007. And now a lot of the people who are involved in the QAnon uh, movement, uh, you know, they, they place a significance on 17 um, again, though, I, I think a lot of what we're seeing is theater. 
Um, a lot of these uh, marches and demonstrations, you know, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of observers have said it all feels very much like a LARP, which is a live action role play. And the Chaz, the uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, I think is kind of uh, a reflection of that. And you know, but the thing that really <laughs> struck me is that all these riots started um, when somebody who has been identified by some people as an undercover uh, St. Paul cop started um, hammering out the uh, windows in an auto zone in Minneapolis. So we go from auto zone to autonomous zone. And you think, hmm. <laughs> but it's also A to Z, too. So, you know, alpha and omega. So, this, again, people, if they're not familiar with it, the thinking, can see this as kind of, I don't know, a little tinfoil hattie. But, you know, when you see these patterns repeat, over and over and over and over and over again, um, it, it really just gets to be impossible to, to dismiss it as um, happenstance. Let's dissect a little bit of the, I haven't done any show on the George Floyd event, but if, if you're here and I read your blog, why don't we do that? Because there's a few things that I have seen so far. One thing that comes to mind right now, somebody forwarded the porn film just to, for me to confirm that it was actually the George Floyd, and I saw that, that it was him, yes. But the one thing I noticed is the tattoo that he had on his chest. That tattoo mm -hmm. was not present on the video I saw of this George Floyd that supposedly was killed when they were walking with him. And that guy, but the George Floyd is supposed to be six foot six. This man did not look to be six six. The casket was closed, even though he was not, you know, shot in the face. And somebody who is so known worldwide, you would think they would have an open casket, number one. And number two, the casket is much smaller than 6'6". So <laughs> let's begin from that. And I have a few other things like the EMTs. They were dressed as police officers. Uh, some people say that that is the actual uniform. Okay, I'll let you go with that. But why would any EMT be wearing bulletproof vests? Let, let's start with... All of these things. Where do you start? Um, we've seen this again and again, where uh, it almost seems like a form of gaslighting, where uh, you know people can see with their own eyes that these things don't all add up, and if it's you're not even allowed to question that, you're not even allowed to point out base, basic facts anymore. Um, so, I mean, where do you go with that? You know, you know what I mean? I mean, I've seen all this material on, uh, on the internet and on Twitter and on Facebook and so on, but where do you go with it? It's, um, it's really impossible to, to determine what's going on. And you know, the other thing I noticed too, is that, um, there's been a meme going around showing where, um, the Derek Chauvin, uh, you know, the police officer who's accused of the murder, um, the person who was arrested and took the mugshot um, looks like a, 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 a not very perfect double. Uh, he's much thinner. He has a different hairline. He has different ears. Um, different ears. That's what really caught me because the ears were totally different. Well, see, this is the thing I'm talking about as far as theater is concerned. And um, again, you have to be very careful when you, when you broach these subjects because people can be very, very sensitive, you know, understandably so. Uh, and it's usually not until much later that um, we start to find out that things are, are, are never what they seem to appear. Uh, unfortunately, that 
you know, it's all attached to uh, strife and unrest and turmoil that it becomes very problematic, you know, to question these things. But it's, it's, it's just very difficult to say. Um, it's not something, you know, personally speaking, I, I, I'm never surprised by these contradictions. I'm never surprised. I, I just, I take them for granted at this point in time. And you can sort of get into the weeds with the details, but what, what really good does it do? People are going to make up their minds based on, you know, at this point, their political and tribal identity, which are, are essentially the same thing. Your politics is now your tribe. Um, and they're going to attack you if you question or disagree with them. So it's a, it's a very difficult uh, and perilous point in time to have a critical uh, eye. And that's it. The critical thinking is almost equate to terrorism. If you have critical thinking, if you think for yourself, if you're not part of the hype mind, if you're not following what the media is telling you or the, the official narrative, you are a subversive mind. You're a danger to the state and the, the powers that want to be. And this is really dangerous. And I see it all the time, the infighting and Facebook. My goodness, everybody's just fighting with one another when we are simply wanting to just question what we see. What I saw that day, first of all, I step back and I see, I saw a video yesterday that is not public. I haven't seen it anywhere in the media where two different officers are arresting him. And then after a while of dealing with him, then the other two come along and take him somewhere else. It's it's really, I've never seen this before. And then you have Chauvin and Floyd allegedly working 17 years as bouncers at a club. But the story is that Floyd comes from Houston, Texas, and he has a rap sheet that's really, really long. You know, uh, getting into a house and, and pointing a finger at a pregnant woman, uh, cocaine, and several arrests, the porn. But all of a sudden, I am told that he worked with this other guy for 17 years, and the owner of that club happens to be a huge part of the La Raza movement. So this could be controlled opposition to confuse us. So, you know, you don't even know who to believe. Then Chauvin is married to the sister of Tao, of to Tao who's the Asian police officer that we see on the video too. Now, what are the chances that the, the victim and the and the quote-unquote perpetrator knew each other for 17 years, worked together. Not once did Floyd call him by his name saying, hey, come on, Derek, I'm your friend, or I know you, we work together. And then the other guy is the brother-in-law. I mean, are they really trying to fool us here? <laughs> Again, I, I'll just go back to what I'm saying before. I mean, so much of what we, we see with all these issues is so filled with gaslighting and truth and illusion are so intertwined. Um, you know, it really is, to me, it really is a form of gaslighting because it always seems to me like who knows what is real footage and what was stage footage was, you know, the footage that comes along later, is that staged? Was that, you know, a recreation to, you know, to muddy the waters and to confuse the issue. I mean, so much of, of what actual intelligence is about, intelligence work is about, is, is about sowing confusion. It's about creating a number of different parallel and conflicting narratives 
that basically run everyone around in circles. And, you know, one of the reasons why I, I, I just can't let myself get into the weeds with these issues is because the event itself, like I said in, in the paragraph that you had read, I mean, what's going on now is not about that anymore. That was the pretext. That was sort of the, the spark plug. That was the, the, the match that lit the flame. But it's so clear that what's going on now is so much bigger than that. And, and I think that what's going on now is so much bigger than that. And it's also tied directly into this whole COVID thing. You know, now they're talking about another second wave. I mean, they, uh, these governors and these mayors that wouldn't let people go to church or go bowling or get their haircut have no problem with thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people marching down the street. Right. I mean, how does that, how do you square that? How, do, how does that make sense? You know, um, and the way they're just twisting themselves in circles to justify it's, it's, it's a real. I think a lot of people are being red pilled right now, so to speak. I don't like to use that expression because it has a lot of connotations, and I'm not crazy about where it's sourced from. But I think a lot of people are just like kind of looking at everything that's been going on this entire year and thinking none of this makes any damn sense at all, you know. And I would just answer that with maybe it's not supposed to. You know, maybe that's not the point. It's not supposed to make sense. It, it's something that's going on that's so much larger than, you know, certainly than this this man's death, uh, or that re- this man's reported death, this, you know, this video and so on. Um, you know, where do you go with it? That's, that's you know, the thing I'm trying to say is that these things are so much larger. But, you know, you, you mentioned that nightclub and you mentioned Chavan and, and uh, this this issue with Floyd and stuff, um, you know, I don't know. Again, we never can trust what we hear anymore. Um, it, it, it's just astonishing how, you know, particularly the mainstream media is just they they have a tactic now where they'll deliberately lie about something, let it get into the conversation, let it get out there. And then as soon as it dies down, they'll say, oh, no, we didn't. You know, that wasn't true. You know, they'll disclaim it. And they do this over and over again. They're constantly, deliberately lying about things to incite people. And then once the incitement uh, flares up and cools down, then they they disavow it. So, yeah, I I think this has been a real eye-opening process for a lot of people where everybody's just kind of like, this, this, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Um, And again, with the work that I do, I just, I look at how it, it ties in with the ritual. I mean, why would we have this, um, you know, this rocket lift off the same week that we had this event with this, this, uh, situation in Minneapolis, you know, with this, this man seemingly, uh, murdered by this policeman. And the other thing too, again, you know, talking about how these various medical examiners said that he had very large doses of, of fentanyl, right? In a system. Now, the thing is, is that fentanyl, um, the way people die from fentanyl is that they suffocate. Okay. It creates uh, epoxia. So, so what happens is that the fentanyl, the mechanism of death in fentanyl is that it suppresses your breathing to a point that you pass out and you, you know, fall into a state of, of, of sleep apnea and you suffocate. All right. So the other thing with fentanyl, too, is that um, while back there were a lot of stories that the police um, 
were poisoning themselves because fentanyl can be um, passed into the bloodstream through the skin. And that, you know, I mean, we know this because, we, you know, there's, there are fentanyl patches, you know, there are also like morphine patches and so right. on and so forth. So um, you could actually, so say you had this person, let's just say that it is as reported, and this was, this individual was George Floyd. Um, you could come up to him, he could just be minding his own business or doing whatever he's doing. Um, grab him by the arm, you're wearing a, a plastic glove that's, that's coated in fentanyl. You know, say the guy's maybe a little sweaty, it's a little warmer out. It's instantly absorbed into the bloodstream and, you know, the man is intoxicated, uh, heavily intoxicated very quickly. Um, and I think that this is, throughout history, this has been a way to, to, to kill people is to drug them first and so on and so forth. I mean, I, you know, I point you to Kurt Cobain. You know, Kurt Cobain was shot, uh, shot up with a large dose of, of heroin that would completely incapacitate him. And then, you know, through means that were physically impossible, you know, because of the angle of the, the, the rifle and the size of the rifle and so on, you know, allegedly blew his head off with this, this shotgun. I mean, you know, it's, it's impossible. He was clearly injected with a crippling, debilitating dose of heroin, and then somebody blew his head off. And I, I just think that, you know, whatever we might have witnessed in um, Minneapolis could be explained that way that, you know, I'm, I, mind you, I'm not casting aspersions and making accusations. I'm just offering a plausible scenario, you know, uh, a hypothetical scenario that if, if you wanted to take somebody out, you could just um, poison, you know, poison him through uh, skin contact with a with a fatal dose of, of, of fentanyl. And if you were compressing this, you know, sir, there's been a lot of arguments saying, you know, the position of the knee was not in a position that it would um, suppress, you know, the wind getting into his windpipe, his trachea and so on and so forth. But if somebody's on a large dose of fentanyl, any pressure you put on their chest and neck is going to cause them to suffocate. Because they're already in dis in respiratory distress, and I, I think a lot of the things that we're seeing—I don't know if you've noticed in—well, I, I think it's sort of dying down because they sort of put a lid on the uh, this the issue with the opioids. But you know, you're seeing a lot of CPAPs in drugstores, and I, I saw that. And I was like, well, this is because everybody's on these painkillers, and people are suffocating at night. Yeah. Let's, let's discuss this for a second, and, and I don't mean to go on a tangent, but this is interesting. You mentioned Kurt Cobain, and I'm thinking of the 27 Club. You know, Jim Morrison, uh, Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, who else? Uh, Amy Winehouse, so many of them. That is very in interesting that they die. Uh, well, Jimi Hendrix, why do you think that they die if they truly die? But in the event, in the case of Kurt Cobain, you think that he was drugged and then it was staged to appear as if he had blown his head off. Why do you think? He, was he becoming too much of a prophet with, with his music like uh, uh, John Lennon was and some of the others who died? No, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I, all I would do is that I would point people to the documentary Soaked in Bleach because, um, you know, I, I can't personally say, from, you know, what, what happened myself because I, I wasn't involved in the investigation. But I will just say that the private investigator who Courtney Love had hired to quote unquote find Kurt Cobain um, has spent the past 25 years 
accusing her directly of, of having him murdered. And um, her Courtney Love's father uh, has spent the past 25 years saying that Courtney Love had her husband murdered. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have said this. Uh, so I think that if you just watch uh, the documentary or just anything to do with that issue on, on, on YouTube, I think you'll find out pretty quickly that maybe things weren't exactly what they seem. Uh, again, Re- repeat the name of the documentary. Soaked in Bleach. Soaked in Bleach. And it was, um, you know, it's basically the story of this, this, you know, he's an ex-LA cop. He became a private investor, this guy named Tom Grant. And, you know, he just, he, he very early on in the investigation, he, he smelled a rat and he, he realized that the Courtney Love is, um, a sociopath and, uh, an inveterate liar. Um, but you know, when you talk about the other people, I mean, we know that Brian Jones was murdered, uh, that the man who murdered him confessed on his deathbed. Um, there's been, um, rather convincing documentary evidence that, um, Jimi Hendrix was murdered as well. Uh, so I, again, you know, you, you build up these young people into being icons and it gets back to the whole, you know, golden bow, <laughs> you know, the, the killing of the, the king or the prince or the, the, you know, the, the princess or, you know, the volcano maidens and, or the way the Incas and the Aztecs would make you a, a deity before you were sacrificed and so on. So, um, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that that's going on in these cases, but I, I think there's, there's significant smoke with these issues with the 27 Club. I, I mean, I think that it's probably pretty clear that Amy Winehouse and Janis Joplin, you know, were very messed up on drugs and, and just couldn't handle it. Uh, I, I, I don't know if there's a, you know, a lot of mystery there, but, you know, maybe there are people who have done the research and then we'll, we'll counter that and say that they were. So, But it sounds like a sacrifice to me. If they're all dying, these famous people, they don't die at 22 or 29. It's just that age of 27. Prince, something different. Prince, you may know this, but shortly before he died, maybe a year or two, he was talking. He was talking about chemtrails. He was talking about manganese and they're putting that in, in the, the water in the, some of the ghetto in order to make the black men really enraged and just create more crime. He was talking about all these things. All of a sudden, he dies and in his elevator. And if you think of the song, Let's Go Crazy, are we going to let the elevator bring, bring us down? He died in his elevator. I don't know. It sounds uh, conspiratorial to me. Well, <laughs> you know, what am I going to tell you? I, the world is a very strange place. Um, one, one of the messages that I try to get, get across to people is, you know, listen, I'm, I'm somebody who, who looks at these issues from a distance and I'm not somebody with any in, inside information on these things. I'm just somebody who's been looking at this stuff for a long time. And, you know, I have a very obsessive personality. So I tend to sort of zoom in on these patterns when they repeat themselves. And, and all I can say is that these patterns repeat themselves. Um, it's, it's very clear that there are cults and secret societies at work in the government, in various industries. We usually only hear about them when they, they screw up and get arrested, you know, case in point, Nexium, right? Well, of course, Nexium has been known for a long time, but they were clearly being protected. But they were very deeply involved in uh, New York state politics 
um, you know, the uh, Bronfman sisters were, were involved in that. A lot of connections to Hollywood and Vancouver film industry. So there are a lot of these groups around. We usually don't hear about them until they're exposed. And, and, and after usually, for the most part, they're dispersed, you know. But they, they're there. You know, one of the things I talk about, you know, so people talk about you now Freemasons and, and, and Illuminati and so on and so forth. Those aren't really secret societies because we know about them. The, 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 the groups that I'm most concerned about are the groups that I don't know anything about, you know, the, the truly secret societies. And sometimes you, you can only judge um, their actions by the, the fingerprints they leave behind and knowing that these groups are so obviously and clearly obsessed with symbolism and ritual, you know, you can use that as kind of a yardstick to determine what, if, if that's what you're looking for. I mean, I will say something um, that a lot of the symbolism that I've been seeing emerge this year, you know, people have been talking about like these 33s that keep popping up, particularly uh, associated with the COVID. And then, the, you know, the 17 with the 17 years with... Um, George Floyd and Derek Chauvin, um, you know, 17 is an, again, a number that I've been looking at for a very long time. And, uh, when these things tend to pop up, it, it always catches my attention because I, I think a lot of the symbolism that we're seeing is, uh, Masonic and the, with a lot of these, um, these men, uh, these men who've been killed and have been martyred by, you know, groups like black, Ma black lives matter. There's always some strange, um, you know, Freemasonic connection there too. Um, you know, case in point with George, George Floyd and Stephen Jackson, um, who said he was George Floyd's twin, this, this former yeah. uh, professional basketball player. And then, um, it turns out that he had announced his intention to join the Freemasons on Twitter and, uh, an ex Kansas city chief, uh, athlete named Larry Johnson had, you know, was going around telling everybody that he believes that, you know, George Floyd was a Masonic sacrifice, uh, and, and somehow, um, you know, Stephen Jackson was involved in this. I, I can't speak to any of that. I mean, it's information that I have no access to. I'm just telling you what people are saying and, you know, what people have said, but I've just, it's just really amazing to me how I'm just seeing this, uh, you know, this very familiar symbolism pop up again and again. And I, you know, what conclusions can we draw from that? I, I think that's up to the individual, but I'm just telling you what I see. I've been watching the symbolism for a very long time and I'm just seeing so much of it this year. And also, I mean, there are so many stories. I'm not saying that what I'm about to say is true, but you know, that, lady who was interviewed and saying that, yep, they were, were at her club. She knew them. One worked outside, one worked inside. And she said, maybe they didn't know each other because they worked, you know, the same shift, but in different locations for 17 years, they didn't know each other. Right. But some say that yeah. that organization, that club was involved with the Mexican cartels, with child trafficking, money laundering and counterfeit money. And that apparently Floyd was taking some of that counterfeit money and thus the $20, the counterfeit $20 bill that he used in that convenience store. But again, that's another story out there that we cannot confirm nor verify. But about uh, Kelly Chauvin, she's the wife of Derek Chauvin, 
I was doing some research. I went back to Wayback Machine because you cannot find anything right now. I wanted to see, because a lot of times they change. When you see these mass shootings, they change the names, they change the stories. But I went back to Wayback Machine and I don't know if they have the ability to change old stuff or if it's true. But I found an article where this lady is interviewed. She came from Cambodia and uh, she was all depressed. And then she wanted to become a, a, a beauty queen, which she did. She was working in a medical office. And that's when Chauvin came one day and they he asked her out and they got married. But she's a minority. She's Asian. And supposedly he is a racist. So, you know, they, they mix things around to the point that you just don't know what to believe anymore. And also, Floyd died allegedly of COVID-19, and that's why they didn't open the casket, because he was supposedly contagious, and they found to have, a, as you said, fentanyl, fentanyl and other controlled substances in his bloodstream. But now, Math, too, yeah. Meth, too. But let me jump to something else that is really interesting about Dr. Michael Botton. Have you made any connections there with this case and O.J. Simpson, JFK, Martin Luther King, and even Epstein? Do you know who Michael Bach no, is? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's just, I remember when it was announced that he was going to do this um, autopsy, people were just like, are you kidding me? Like, what What the hell's going on? It didn't, this guy just was involved in this whole Epstein thing. You know, one of the things that I've said, and, and I'll continue to say, um, is that this Epstein thing is just so much bigger than, than people can know. Uh, I was just reading that... Um, there was a judge who uh, was supposed to, I guess, order the release of certain testimony, uh, witness testimony and so on. But it turns out now that she's compromised. I think that um, whoever Epstein was working for or working with um, had their fingers in, in just so many pies that I think so many people are panicked about the implications of that. You know, for instance, uh, Harvard. Uh, Bill Gates. I mean, Bill Gates was was very tight with with Epstein, uh, even after um, it, you know he was released from prison. Uh, you know, he and Gates were, were very close, and um, nobody seems to question that. I mean, all these things are, are interrelated, uh, and you just you just start to have to wonder if is this is this real, or are we in some kind of like misfunctioning, misfiring simulation? Um, it's just, it's just the coincidences just rack up to become absolutely impossible at times. You know, it's just, um, and again, it does feel like a form of, of gaslighting. I know one, one thing that I wanted to point out. So throughout this whole period with the demonstrations and the riots, you know, Trump was uh, making a lot of, um, very, uh, deliberately, uh, provocative, uh, statements and tweets and so on. And, and everybody's like, oh, he's lost his mind. And, you know, he's, um, He's senile and he's, all, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, and I just, I wonder when people on the left are going to wake up to the fact that um, he's playing them like a fiddle. I mean, he's been gaslighting them, you know, <laughs> since the Obama era and they fall for it every time. It's just, it's astonishing to me. And everybody's like, oh, this is going to bring Trump down. This is going to be the end of his presidency. Does he look like he, – does he behave like the man who looks like his, his presidency is imperiled by any of this? I, I think he looks like he's having the time of his life. I think he's really enjoying, uh, you know, kicking at the hornet's nest. And, and people never seem to question that because they're so married to these media narratives about him and, and politics in general 
that they can't see past and, and just see that they're just getting played. You know, they're just they're constantly being gaslighted. And I think, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's it's funny because he's owning the libs. But you know, the flip side of that is, just, you know, he's creating um, a, a situation where we have in people who, a lot of whom are marginal already, are becoming increasingly psychotic. And you, you don't need to look very farther than, than social media to just see how endemic absolute psychosis is, how people say and do things now and broadcast it on social media that they would never dream about doing 10 years ago. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing to me the things that people will say and do, the things will the, 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 the identities they claim for themselves, you know, the, um, the beliefs that they'll, they'll, uh, they'll announce to the world and so on. It's just, you know, it's, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a person who has a, a very deep spiritual foundation in his life. So I, I see a very, um, powerful spiritual element to this. I mean, I don't know that might turn off some of your, some of your listeners, but it's, it's something that's, that's very real to me. And, um, you know, I see, I see a very powerful, uh, I mean, I'll just come out and say it. I, I see a very powerful demonic spirit at work in, in the world. Oh, you don't have to worry. We, I think that the majority of our audience know that there's, that these people are just full Satanists. I mean, we see it all the time. We see it even coming from the Vatican. Now they're putting a statue of Moloch. Well, no, no, see, Mel, let me just, well, no, no, see, Mel, let me just interject here because this is where I think you have to be careful because they're not Satanists, okay? That's that's like a name that religious people have called people who, who subscribe to, you know, so Baal and Moloch, it all it all ties back to, you know, the, the Roman gods of Jupiter and Saturn. And people sort of see like the way these gods would be treated in, in civic presentations and think that, you know, they're just very inert and bland and stuff. But when you go back and you read the material, I mean, Jupiter is very much uh, identified with Pan and, uh, you know, what we know as um, Baphomet is, is sort of a hand-me-down from, you know, there was a lot of syncretism. These things were, were floating around. But, you know, these, these gods, uh, you know, particularly Jupiter and Saturn, um, if, if, if you believe in these gods and, and you follow the, the ancient rituals, you don't need to be a Satanist. You know what I mean? There's, there's no need for you to like, um, subs- you know, play the loser of somebody else's, uh, mythology because, you know, you're the winner of your mythology and, you know, subscribing to belief in, in, you know, particularly what I call the horned and hidden God, which is Jupiter Amon, which was a very powerful and influential, uh, God, secret God, secret society God, you know, dating back to Alexander and, and, and forward and backward, um, you know, subscribing to belief in Jupiter Mon gives you total license and you don't have to play into somebody else's um, narrative. So I, I think that this is, you know, I, this might sound a bit, I don't know, maybe a little too esoteric for some people, but don't assume these people are Satanists because they, they, they don't see themselves that way. And they, the, the, the dangerous thing about them is that they subscribe to a, a, a system of belief that gives them almost complete and total license and makes them feel like they're the good guys. You know, everybody else is wrong. We're the good guys. You know what I mean? So this is I, I know it seems like semantics. You know, it, it probably is semantics in the long run. But don't assume that they subscribe to these narratives, uh, you know, sa- Satan and God and, and, and Lucifer and so on. Don't, don't assume that they I'm, I'm not assuming it, it's not an assumption. I'm just thinking of, for example, you mentioned Bill Gates. You've heard about the 
and patent that he has for the cryptocurrency. You have heard of the commercial that Microsoft did for Marina Abramovic or Abramovic, right? Abramovic, yeah. Uh, Oh, sure, yeah. The spirit cooking. This is the type of quote-unquote Satanism that I'm the ritualistic Pizzagate uh, uh, Nexium. That's what I'm referring to. No, I, I I understand what you're saying. It's it's transgressive, and it's um, a, it's. What I'm trying to say is that again, this is a semantic issue, but I think it's very important because, okay, so Marina Abramovic, you could you could easily see her as a Satanist, but if you go back in time, there were um, religious beliefs that were very powerful and popular during ancient times, you know, pre-Christian times, that were, um, you know, basically indistinguishable. And, you know, if you, if you, you learn about the early church and stuff, I mean, they basically, when they would look at uh, the, the, the gods of, of Rome or you know, Greece or so on, you know, they would just say they're all demons. They're all imposters and demons. And, and that's how, it, again, it's a semantic thing, but don't think they're sitting around like reading Anton LaVey and so on. They, they, they don't. They, they subscribe to a much older and weirder and more dangerous belief system, in my estimation, just judging on the symbolism. Understood. And let me just go back to Batten for a second, because I think we it's important to look at this. So what do we have here? Dr. Michael Batten, a doctor who with decades long career, Batten has investigated the assassinations of President John F. Kennedy, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., testified as defense witness for O.J. Simpson and identified the bodies of Tsar Nicholas II of Russia. Gosh, that's how old he is. <laughs> and that's the Dr. Joseph Mengele. At 85, he estimates that he has performed more than 20,000 autopsies and he has been hired as a forensic expert for cases involving civil rights activists Medgar, Medgar Evers, athletes Kobe Bryant and Aaron Hernandez, and celebrities John Belushi, wow, back in 1982 also, and most recently Jeffrey Epstein and now George Floyd. Can we really believe what this man says? And if you look at the School shootings, again, he's behind all these events. You always see this guy behind it. Well, I would look at that, you know, so if you were asking me to like, so let's just assume or pretend that this narrative that that I'm sort of looking at, let's just take it for granted, okay? So if, if there's a sort of mystery play unfolding with all these actions and all these events, um, I would look at a guy like this guy and say, well, he's clearly Anubis, you know, or, or, or playing or some, he's the God of death, you know, or Pluto or something. He's, he's some figure that is, is a semi, you know, he's a semi divine figure. He's like a demigod. He's, but he's the God of demigod. Death. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? You know, for somebody to have done all these, uh, autopsies on all these, he's got to be extraordinarily well connected. Okay, he's got a he's got he I'm sure this guy knows all the handshakes, right? Um, You don't just fall into those kind of gigs uh, out of the clear blue sky. I I think that he's clearly somebody who's very well connected and, uh, you know, is is probably playing this role. You know, again, uh, you know, Anubis, the the embalmer, you know, the, the, the god of death. Uh, that's that's basically how I would see this role as you, is that he's playing, um, and I think that would just uh, 
to me personally, that would be kind of a, you know, in poker, there's the tell, you know, that would be me, the tell in this, this case or this instance that, uh, you know, we're seeing something a little more elaborate and profound than just, you know, a, a man's unfortunate death at the hand of the police. Now, one thing I noticed about these people, but Dr. Batten involved, Dr. Fauci, Kissinger, <laughs> these people, it's almost like they have gotten the gift of delayed obsolescence. I mean, how old is Fauci? I think he's almost 80. Uh, Batten is like 80-some. These people age, but they seem to be erudites, uh, eloquent, very calm when they speak. Oh, you know, COVID-19 is going to come back, second wave. And now I thought the first time when I saw all these crowds, especially in New York, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, thousands and thousands of people. Two weeks before, Those people would have been arrested. No, try to open your barbershop in Michigan, you get arrested. You, you, they take your license away. But now, if you need to protest, it's okay. And Trump, a couple of days ago, said we need to start our uh, rallies again with no masks and no social distancing. Why did the media do immediately? Oh, my God, I can't believe that Trump is saying that we need to go out there and rally. Uh, have you forgotten all these thousands of people who are out there not social distancing? No, well, that's, see, this is what I'm saying, that I, I think this has kind of been a very red-pilling year for people, because people see that, and they go, well, you're saying that, you know, I lost my job, and I can't open my store because of social distancing, but, you know, you're, you're all on board for thousands of people, you know, cheek by jowl in these, in these cities, you know, many of these cities, you know, are reported uh, COVID hot zones and so on. People, this is not escaping people. I'm, I'm wondering if the media and, you know, I mean, we, we all know the mainstream media is just a, the propaganda wing of the, the Democratic National Committee. I mean, I wonder if they're just not getting the memos or if things are just moving so fast and, and moving in, in such directions that they can't keep their lies straight anymore. Uh, you know, that's kind of what it seems to me. And, and again, this is, People are noticing this. People, you know, quote unquote normies are noticing like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Like, why is it all of a sudden okay to, uh, you know, march hundreds of thousands of people? Again, you know, cheek by jowl, a lot of people, you know, get involved in altercations and fights where they're exchanging blood and bodily fluids and so on. I mean, why is that all right? And, and this isn't all right. It's just, it's the contradictions, um, just well up and and I, I they lead I, I think we're on on the brink of a, a total collapse of credibility in, in the mainstream media I, I I really feel very strongly about that and I, I think it's just because they're, they're trying so hard to control narratives you know they, they're lying so incessantly and like I said this whole process where they lie um, let it you know seed outrage and then and then disavow it um, they're so caught up And a lot of this is because of economics, because the, the economic model of the mainstream media is collapsing. Um, I, I just think it's just spinning around. And you just wonder um, at what point, you know, if this is all some sort of giant psychological operation, at what point do does the forces of chaos and, and, and randomnality, I mean, what at what point do they take over and the whole thing just kind of spins out of control? And I think with these... Uh, these shutdowns, I, I think that's going to be a large part of it. I mean, because, uh, you know, the attorney general said that he's going to start bringing um, civil rights lawsuits against these governors who have allowed these huge uh, marches but won't allow people to attend church. 
But again, I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, I don't want to you know particularly name names, but I you know I just look at some of these these governors and these mayors, and um, it just seems that there is a very strong demonic spirit at work. Uh, you know, I don't want to be partisan because I'm not a partisan person, but uh, you know, there are just certain people and their behavior and their their appearance even that they just look disturbed. Uh, and and I, I again. You know, since I'm a spiritually minded person, I see this as as a demonic influence. You know, same thing with God forbid, God forbid that we lose a loved one and we cannot have a dignified funeral right now or George Floyd. And believe me, if this really happened the way it was, I get it. People are must be furious, but still we cannot have a funeral, but he can have thousands and thousands of people attend his funeral as if it was Elvis Presley, you knowing, you know, and again, the fact that he was in a porn movie, the fact that he had a rap sheet the size of, you know, whatever, what happened to him, if it's true, and I don't want to say that it didn't happen, I just want to stay in the middle here. I have my doubts, yes, but I just don't understand the double standards that all the same governors that had the strictest lockdowns, you know, California, Michigan, you name them, Pennsylvania, New York, New your place, New Jersey. I mean, all these places that had these draconian lockdowns, they're the same places that have the majority of the violence and the looting and the approach now to disband the police. So you want to disband the police. You want to take guns away from people. What is left then, Chris? Chaos. <laughs> Chaos. Uh, yeah. You know, you really have to wonder. I mean, see, the interesting thing is, so the, a lot of the people that are supporting the, um, the lockdowns are people who are in areas and in oftentimes working in industries that are most hurt by them or most economically affected by them. Um, you know, the thing that I, I really have to wonder is that you look at, uh, you know, the theme parks for instance, and they're just being decimated. These, the, you know, companies like Disney and, and six flags and so yeah. on. I mean, they're losing tens of millions of dollars, I don't know what day, maybe, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's stunning um, how they're just taking it on the chin and, and the, and you, you're seeing that a lot of major movie cinemas uh, chains are going to go out of business. You know, you know, you're seeing the looting in these cities, right? Um, these cities that are already in huge amounts of debt. Okay. I mean, even like when the economy was really humming along, say like a year ago from today, um, these cities were all carrying these huge debt burdens, and they were also carrying huge burdens of, of uh, responsibilities to, uh, you know, people's pensions and so on. Um, so it, you really have to wonder because these stores are not going to reopen. Um, in, in the worst – in the areas where there was the worst violence, um, you know, I think Walmart has already said that they're not – they're going to just pull out of Chicago. Chicago. And they're not going to be open in Chicago. And I, I, I doubt – you know, certainly in none of the small business owners uh, are going to reopen in Minneapolis. Um, so you and I are, are older, right? So we remember um, the aftermath of uh, the riots in the 60s. You know, and I remember seeing, you know, even in a, a city like Boston, seeing how uh, that kind of violence um, – had a devastating effect on communities and you know, particularly had a devastating effect on black communities. 
Uh, you, you see this to this day in, in cities like Newark and Detroit, where um, a lot of stores and chains and, and retailers will just not open because it's just it's just not worth it to them. You know, particularly now where if, if everything's on a hair trigger uh, with social unrest and rioting, which is all, you know, extremely accelerated by social media. But so who gets hurt by that? I'll tell you, you know, people in the suburbs don't get hurt by that. The people who get hurt by that are, 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 are black folks, you know, particularly lower income black folks in these, these neighborhoods in these cities that have to go 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, an hour and a half to another neighborhood or another city just to get their groceries. You, know, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's really, um, it's, it's bad. It's bad. And when I, when I saw the riots breaking out, already being aware that we have what's called the retail apocalypse where all these major chains are either teetering or going bankrupt. And I think, um, some pretty big chains declared bankruptcy, uh, during the unrest, um, if you're already having a retail apocalypse, you know, do you really want to drive out the the few retailers that you have left? And, and it's just astonishingly irresponsible on the part of these mayors to to allow this to happen. I mean, New York, we have a, a, a lunatic in in the mayor's office. I mean, he's a man that literally everybody hates, whether you're left or right or white or black. I and mean, he's just an utter incompetent that everyone despises. But he allowed um, just absolute violence up and down Fifth Avenue, which you know, most people would be familiar as sort of the, you know, the miracle mile, so to speak. I mean, You've seen the video. You know, where all the, You've seen that? the video where all the, the stores are, you know, they have wood. They, they're completely covered now. The media was never there. I mean, they were destroyed, that the whole street. Yeah, but see, the, the thing is, you know, when you're talking about like the issue of New York rents and you're talking about the the, the pressure from uh, e-retailing, e-commerce, Amazon and so on, these stores are going to go out of business and they're not going to come back. And so not only are you going to deprive people, you know, particularly in poor neighborhoods of easy access to, you know, their basic needs, but you're also putting hundreds of thousands of people out of work. So it's it's. You know, we're just living in just an absolutely insane time. But it's same. You know, for a lot of people, it just it there's an unreality about it. There's just this air of just I don't know. It's it's just very strange, and uh, I don't know where it's going. But I, I don't believe that any of this is spontaneous, and I don't believe that any of this is um, unplanned. Let's say. As I said, you know, we're going to take a break shortly. But I said that there are three types. There's the true, bona fide protesters who want to peacefully protest for a better world. Then mm -hmm. the second ones are the opportunists. These are the ones that are, they see a broken glass and they're going to go in and get their Nikes or their Rolex or their Breitlings, what happened in New York. And third, they're the sponsored one, the Soros, the open society ones. They're the ones sowing the majority of the chaos because they, what they really want is a one world socialistic, I'm going to call it what it is, Maoist, Bolshevik, uh, Islamic, world. This is what I think they want. And this is why, and again, just not to get political, but I have to just call it what it is. If you look at these states and these cities, they share one common denominator. The same way they had all the COVID cases and the same way they had all the COVID deaths, now they have the majority of the crime, the majority of the looting, 
and they keep wanting more billions to put into their socialist programs. Well, that's going to be a problem if this continues happening. And if there's a second wave, and they're already talking about it, they're going to just say, oh, you see, you should not have gone out there and protest. And now in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see this spike. They're going to bring the next wave and the lockdown is going to get worse. But guess what? You mentioned something really interesting. I think people are being red-pilled. And I see that as a good way. This is the silver lining. Even those people who were asleep at the wheel for years, they see now. I see a lot of my friends that were totally against what I discussed on this program, and now they're paying attention. And they're saying, wow, I used to laugh at you, and now I'm thinking that what you're saying is right. But it's not me. It's people like you and so many others who are out there saying the same thing, Chris. Well, it's just a question of whether you pay attention or not, I think. Um, whether you pay attention to uh, the NFL and to uh, reality television and to uh, you know consumer fads or whether you pay attention to what's going on in the world around you. And eventually the world catches up with you. You can ignore it. You can wish it away. You can close your eyes. But eventually um, reality uh, – catches up with you and taps you on the shoulder. And I think that's happening with a lot of people now. Uh, so where this is headed and, and, and how this, this, this ends up, you know, the, the one thing that I would say though, you know, so, you know, I agree with what you said, um, as, as far as, you know, where this, um, these crises are kind of centered, but do they win from that? I mean, do, does, do these States, does California or Michigan or, you know, any state that's being run by the, the, the Democratic Party right now, did they win by destroying their economies? Did they win by um, destroying their, their cities and, and driving uh, anybody with means out of the cities uh, for the exurbs or, or to other states? Do they win that way? I mean, does that, you know, I, one, one thing that I sort of pointed out when, when the uh, – the rioting first started. And again, like you said, I mean, I, I totally support people peacefully uh, uh, protesting. And, you know, some, and I totally understand that protesting isn't always peaceful. And, you know, if, if the cause is right, that's, you know, that's something that you have to accept and deal with. But, you know, are these states winning? You know, one of the things I said, it just looked to me like Democrats are just cutting their own noses off despite Trump's face. And does that make sense, or is this, is this the, the, the actions of, of, of people who've been so gaslighted and have given themselves over to demonic influence for so long that they, they are willing to destroy themselves because they think that it's, it's helping them win? And, and that's really something that, that I have to take into to account when looking at this stuff. I mean, does Michigan win when uh, Gretchen Whitmer um, – drives business away, when she decimates its tax base, when she creates a situation where they can't um, pay for their entitlements, does, does that win? Does that create a, a situation of winning? And, and, you know, when you talk about the whole thing with, uh, you know, gaslighting and ritual and, and theater, you have to always wonder, you know, it's like a magic trick. Is what is the left hand doing while the right hand's distracting you or, you know, or vice versa, however you choose to see it? And that misdirection is the great strength of the magician, right? So I think that's something we really have to take into account. So when people ask me, where's this all going and, and so on, and, you know, who's ahead and what's the score, I'll, I'll just be very frank and say, I don't know. I don't know what's going on because everything is so chaotic and jumbled that it's impossible for me to, to make any kind of objective 
determination about that. And I, I hope that doesn't seem like I'm being evasive because I'm being absolutely, totally honest. No, and we'll take our gloves off when part two comes along, because that's usually when we get deeper into the rabbit hole. But to me, just one last thing about this. To me, these people who are sowing the seeds of destruction, they're what we now deem the non-player characters. If you play a video game, it's those people that the groups of zombies that come your way and they create all the destruction. In this case, because they're being programmed from academia from a very young age. I mean, the 80s and 70s, you would not allow this communist propaganda to, to just grow the way it has. And if this is how, even I was talking to my daughter the other day and she, you know, is in line with what I say, but you know, she's thinking, I was watching a commencement address the other day of, of some colleges and I see how the left is so in touch with the youth. You know, on the right, it needs to have some young people. And I said, well, they have them there, too. They have the, you know, uh, the, the Owens and they have uh, Charlie Kirk and a bunch of young people. They're not allowed to come in the forefront. They're not allowed to go to colleges and talk. They're always banned. But anyway, I don't want to get too long-winded on this. I'm just thinking these are the people that are creating the chaos for a reason because they want. I mean, look, they complain about Trump not releasing his tax returns. But guess what? He was a billionaire before he became president. What I'd like to know is the Pelosi's, the Feinstein's, and all those people in California that are worth $100, $200 million, and they have been there for 30, 40 years at $150,000 a year. How did they make that money? I want to see those tax returns. But anyway, not to get too political, how can people learn more about your work, your new book, your website, and so on? Well, my new book is called He Will Live Up in the Sky, and it's available through Amazon and actually uh, all other e-retailers. Uh, you can get the paperback through Amazon and as well as uh, uh, an ebook version of it. And the ebook is available on uh, Google Play and Apple Books and, and up and down the line. So there are a number of places that you can get it if you uh, don't want to deal with Amazon. And also uh, secretsdone.blogspot.com is the main blog. And uh, I, I have a lot of uh, plans right now to create a lot of uh, other outlets because I you know I feel to me that the time has kind of come you know yep. everything that I was saying was going to happen is happening now and I, I think I need to pay uh, more attention to it than uh, than I have in the past this is why we're taking a gloss off in part two the rights of spring the great reset and the second American civil war we didn't discuss that too much part one but I want to discuss it in part two my special guest tonight is Christopher knows much more when we return this is Mel Fabregas and you're listening to Veritas don't go anywhere thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview to listen to the rest and all of our material proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. 
you want to know.